Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got Ross Martin and I've got John Bowman. John, of course, uh, almost graduating. We're about there, John. The real world is coming up fast. I said I was going to start with Ross, but I'm going to start with you a little bit. You've been IC intern for two years now. The end is near. Man, just give us some general thoughts on your time with Inside Carolina. Oh, man, it's been a super wonderful experience coming in. I had heard of Inside Carolina, but the last two years working for Inside Carolina, working with everyone who does these podcasts and everyone who helps cover the team and provide the great coverage that we provide has been a really great experience. Um, It's also been great. I'm now like a full board user. I check the board probably 80 times a day. Um, and I'm going to check the board like that probably for the rest of my life. Uh, so stuff like that has been really fun, and uh, it's been a great experience. We might uh, check back in on this thought a little bit later in the show and get your highs and lows of being an IC intern. But, Ross, just <laughs> you know, for people that listen to this um, and they follow Inside Carolina, especially there's quite a few students that do it, talk about the importance of an intern for guys like you and Greg. I mean, we, we have interns at my work. Some are good. Some are not so good. John's one of the good ones at Inside Carolina. <laughs> yeah, well, so John is our video intern, so he has a very specific role. Gregory Hall is our, or more of our writing intern. He kind of works, he works very closely with Greg and, and a little bit with me as well. But, but John helps me, Ben, and, and Greg, and Don uh, out a lot in terms of filming the interviews that we use for videos um, and videos are a big part of what 24 seven sports and CBS has done um, obviously for ad replays and, and getting, you know, good visual experiences with, with the coaches and players. And John's been a, a really good intern um, and great with just being hardworking um, and, and very helpful throughout the season with, with two football seasons, two uh, basketball seasons. He's been in the Bahamas uh, he got the Bahamas trip ahead of me, and then he's helped out Don some with recruiting day stuff, and he's been a very hardworking guy, and we appreciate it. He, he's been some writing, too. You've seen his stories on the front page a bunch. Um, so he's a good writer as well. So we're going to miss him as he goes to New York for, for the, the big corporate America job. Oh, that's, uh, that, that's going to be the different world. Let's, uh, we'll come back to that because I, I do have a couple more questions about that. But let's, let's talk about why we're here. And, and that's spring football wrapped Saturday, Ross. You were there. I was there. Uh, we tried to do a little Inside Carolina live podcast from the Bowls lot. It worked for the most part, um, a little bit better than I expected. Hope folks got to listen to that. But let's talk about your, just your general thought, Ross, on not just the spring in total, but Saturday specifically, uh, the weather, the fans, you know, wasn't as big as everybody was hoping it would be, but still it was a, a functional spring game for the first time in a couple of years in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I think in general, you kind of saw how it's going to work under Mac Brown. Um, obviously every coaching staff is going to be different in how they want to operate in spring and the spring game, not to harp on it too much. I didn't think the crowd was anything spectacular. I think the fear of rain 
uh, it rained really heavy in the morning, then it rained again in mid-morning and, and into the afternoon, and it cleared up right before uh, the game. It was pretty hot and muggy as well, but it was it was ideal. I mean, it was great weather when it actually kicked off, but I think the fear of rain and bad weather probably scared a lot of people who were traveling in from, from farther areas in North Carolina to Chapel Hill. Um, that might have affected the crowd. I know the lacrosse game ran long because of, because of rain delays, um, but – like I've said, it's going to be very hard to to really pack Keenan for a spring game. I just think that's the football culture around UNC, and hopefully that changes under Mac Brown. But still, it's just not. It's the spring game is not going to bring that many people out. Um, otherwise, I mean, from a football standpoint, I think quarterbacks is a huge takeaway. I think, like we've kind of said, and as Mac Brown has alluded to, um, I think we have three. UNC has three. Um, Solid guys, you can go out and win the job, and I think it's going to be a pretty hot competition into the summer and the offseason. I know we'll talk more about that, but from a broader standpoint, quarterbacks, and I think defense is going to look a lot different. We saw people rushing and blitzing a lot more, and that was very obvious from kind of just a anybody kind of watching the game. You didn't have to have an experienced or really intelligent eye to pick up on the amount of blitzing and the, the role of linebackers and defensive backs in that blitzing packages. And those are my two major kind of broad scheme takeaways, the play of the quarterbacks um, and, and the defensive aggressiveness and blitzing package. Um, and, and, you know, John and I are the reporters, but I know Tommy, you are there as well. So we definitely want you to be involved in, in the breakdown of this, of the spring game as much as we are. Yeah. We kind of talked about it a little bit off air. I, I feel like this season um, as we sit here on what is it, April sixteenth, recording this podcast, I, I think we'll see um, some high-scoring ball games for Carolina in the fall. And I think Carolina's offense is going to score a lot of points. I think Carolina's defense is going to give up a lot of points, um, particularly against certain opponents that can exploit maybe the speed or lack thereof, um, exploit Carolina's weakness. But like I also mentioned, and John, I want you to talk about it here in a second is. With so many people out on defense, I mean, with so many key pieces out, certainly guys stepped up. I thought Patrice Renee looked looked great out there. Um, But with that many parts missing, it's tough to know what to expect. So I guess part of my uh, thought on it is sort of gun-shy from years past. So maybe Jay Bateman gets something going with these guys after – a lot longer in fall camp leading up to preseason practice and then the actual games. But, John, you were down on the field during the spring game. Tell us what you saw, what you heard, and what you thought about the action out there. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me, uh, kind of being on the sidelines and listening in, um, was communication for the Tar Heels. So on the offensive side of the ball, Greg Barnes helped sort of report earlier this spring that UNC was only giving its signals once during spring practice. So it sort of emphasized that every single offensive player had to look towards the sideline to get the signal once because it was only coming once. And if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. So on the spring game, there were certain times when certain offensive players sort of didn't get the signal. And then they had to sort of turn to others to be like, hey, what was the signal? So I remember specifically with Bo Corrales, I believe, once just sort of was looking around and was calling out to the quarterback like, hey, what's the play? I missed it that one time. So little things like that are helping sort of increase communication among the offensive players, and I think that's a positive going forward. Then on the defensive side of the ball, is sort of the same thing. I can remember 
Uh, one time Bryson Richardson at safety was trying to get the attention of a cornerback. Uh, I believe it was Storm Duck. He was kind of calling it Storm, and Storm didn't end up looking at him, didn't end up getting that call communicated correctly. So little things like that with communication, I think, are going to sort of be the difference for North Carolina. Uh, this defense, it's a new defense. We talk about some more attacking defense. The players themselves are really going to have to communicate to make sure everyone's on the same page because if you're attacking and the back end of the defense isn't on the same page, that's when you get some of the breakdowns that UNC has been prone to a couple of years prior and even the last two seasons. So I think communication is the key, and that's sort of my biggest takeaway from the spring game seeing how they've improved as communicators. Ross, that's big for, you know, a new staff putting in a new system. I mean, it's still football, clearly, but, you know, it, it, I like giving it to them once, forcing them to listen, forcing them to adjust and to get the call. Uh, you teach all during practice and then in the games, it's time to go. But post-game, those guys, let's talk about Mac Brown specifically. He said, I believe, you know, they got what they wanted for, wanted, you know, for the most part out of the spring game. But your, your take on um, that action on the field and then how it came across in the postgame locker room. Yeah, I mean, Mac in particular, I mean, I think they know what they have now. I mean, they had no idea. He kind of said this. They had no idea what they had and, and how many players can be able to really play for them and which players are going to fit into the scheme. So they know what they have going into the summer now uh, after 15 practices. Um, Mac's been – we asked him, I think, one, one near the end of spring practice, you know, what's the weakness of this team? And he was pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, it's the front seven. It's the, it's the defensive line, and it's the linebackers. And I think, I think linebacker is certainly a weakness um, because there are a bunch of starting linemen – uh, Jason Strobridge, Alan Cater, mostly who are out. Um, so I think they, they, they realize where the deficiencies are. They realize, you know, things that can maybe change to, to, to affect that, uh, post game for the players. What I think is just an interesting thing to kind of think about and, and dwell on is, is how quickly the staff kind of won over the room, won over the, the players. Um, you know, it's tough to, to be doing something for, two, three, four years under coaches and, and the way things ran on Fedora and then completely switched. I mean, things are just different. It's just every coach is different. And so I think there was early, early buy-in and that's credit to the staff and it's credit to the players. And I think lose, having two really bad losing seasons made that easier. They realized that what they were doing wasn't working and so they're open to change. Another thing that Max said was that um, they need to get stronger and that they need more time with the strength and conditioning coach. I know Jason Staples talks about um, the strength and conditioning coach and Brian Hess and what he's doing and, and how that's going to work out. But they've only been under him since, what, December? So January, February, March, and now April. So um, there's going to be a change. And I wonder if it's going to be a noticeable change and how fit they are, how how strong they are and where they're strong, how how they're – you know, the, where the force is, if they're these different particular – uh, position centric workouts and how that plays in. And this, that's the big, I mean, that's the big change. A new strength conditioning coach can completely change your team and can change the position groups and really affect injury prevention and things like that. So that's one thing I think is critical to watch um, coming from now into 
by when August comes around and fall practice and how that is like a big change. Cause I think there's going to be some differences in how these players look and how they look on the field. It's a great point about the buy-in and folks that have been around it. You know, you guys obviously see it from that standpoint, but I've talked to former players that have been in there and seen it and parents of current players and they all seem happy. And that's rare when a new coaching staff comes in, especially and John, I want your thoughts on this out there at the spring game, sitting in Keenan Stadium. It was pretty clear uh, to me who runs things, and that's Mike Brown. Whether he's correcting the PA guy, like a lot of people on our message boards commented about, or whether you know he's calling the plays or you know stopping plays or whatever, he is clearly in control. And so we know that the coach, the coach has the leadership, but John from from the field level even though it's just a spring game but you've seen them in practice as well talk about maybe the leadership that came off the quarterback position because that's the position everybody looks at that's people are giddy that they have three solid quarterbacks Um, but clearly one's going to have to be the man come august your thoughts on what you saw from all three guys howell fortin and ruder yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because when you look at the leadership, you're counted on as a quarterback to be a leader. Yet all three of these guys um, are freshmen, and all three of them really have not put a foot forward into the starting role. So for someone like Sam Howell, is he really expected to lead when he is still really he should be in high school and he's still learning the new offense as well? So I think from a leadership perspective, it's sort of the same approach they might have taken from a football perspective, which is that Mac Brown said this spring, guys, don't worry about who's going to be starting. Don't worry about the starting competition. Just really focus on learning the offense this spring. Focus on trying to absorb as much as you can. Focus on making good throws. And then worry about the competition in the fall. And I think that's sort of the approach that they took with leadership as well. Uh, Ross and I and Greg, we would all ask about who are the leaders on this team. And it was often some of the older uh, running backs like Antonio Williams or Michael Carter. Um, It was often on the defensive side, guys like Taman Fox, some older guys. There wasn't really the quarterback names thrown in there. So I think that's sort of the same approach that they took. And it's kind of ironic, too, with the quarterback and the communication. There was Marquise Williams standing there on the sidelines on Saturday, and he was obviously a very loud, a vocal quarterback, vocal leader. I don't really see any of UNC's three freshman quarterbacks being that same sort of vocal leader, because they could definitely grow into that role. And I think that'll be something that's just as interesting to watch as how they develop on the field, but also how they develop off of it as leaders. Let me hop in here real quick. Um, and I know John knows that two of them are redshirt freshmen. I mean, they've, they've, had, they've been here for a year and a, a year and a half having come in in January of 2018 and Sam Howell being the true freshman. But John made a good point, and this was kind of a theme with the quarterbacks, is that Mac Brown was letting them learn the role, learn the, the, learn the scheme, learn the offense first, and then compete in August and September, heading into September for fall. And I think, I, I think that's as much – I think that's important. I think it was a smart move. I think it's as much to kind of keep them in, don't have any ideas of transferring, keep them all for a whole other year – so they have a um, a set of three guys that can really pick from. You know, the starter in uh, September, you know, might not be the starter in November. 
So there's these guys are talented. They're going to grow at different rates. Um, you know, Sam Howell might be a little bit behind the two other guys, but he may develop faster and, and pick up because he may have the more physical, the better physical traits. Who knows? Um, my takeaway on the quarterbacks, just quickly, and I want to get Tommy's takeaways on the quarterbacks. I thought Sam Howell off the bat showed that rocket arm. I think he has great arm strength, great zip on the ball. Um, I thought, I think Jace is, is very athletic. We all knew that. Had a nice little run. I think he has a good feel for the game, good touch on the ball. And I don't think we got a good glimpse of Cade Fortin. You know, he has the reputation as being the guy with the strong arm. He showed that in his uh, starts last year with UNC. He was only two for six um, on Saturday. So I don't, I don't think we, we gave him a fair shot to see what he could do. But that was my quick takeaways. And uh, Tommy, did you have anything kind of add for what you thought with the quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, I was surprised that Sam Howell came out first. Now we've learned later that it's not that big a deal. You know, I, I how- think – that might have been just to uh, say, like, none of these guys are leading. Like, Sam, uh, Cade's not leading. Jason's not leading. We're going to throw those true freshmen out there. Just make it clear that no one has the heads up. Yeah, and, you know, I, I saw on the boards, um, it may have been Reuter's dad said that they played rock, paper, scissors, whatever. However it worked <laughs> really? out, I, I thought it was interesting that he came out first. My thing with the quarterbacks, and John mentioned it and you followed up on it, is I, I feel for a football team, the quarterback, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the quarterback needs to be the leader and, and is the de facto leader. And the fact these guys are all, you know, redshirt freshmen or true freshmen, Howe should be at senior prom this week, um, and, and he's at Carolina playing quarterback. That's going to be something I watch all offseason, into preseason, and into the, into the regular season because I think with a new coaching staff, granted they're a year apart, um, freshman, but redshirt freshman or whatever, they're all sort of on the same level going in. So yeah. everybody's balanced out. If it were a situation where um, it was the same staff as before, then of course Ruder and Fortin have a better shot. But I think how can be right there. I think it is important that they have three this year. Now, if I'm the third guy, whoever that may be, if I'm the third guy, I can't see a situation where I want to sit forever. But like you mentioned, especially at Carolina, it seems like. Whoever starts that first game, if they're starting um, in November, then that's different than how it has been for many years for North Carolina or any college quarterback across the country. So that'll be something I watch. I think quarterback is the leadership position. I think one of these three guys needs to be that guy, even though they're going to be you know, one of the youngest, if not the youngest on the field for Carolina. It's such a dicey situation because they're all, yeah, like you said, they're all on the same level. They're only a year apart. Um, I mean, you name one guy, the starter. I mean, geez. Yeah, there's going to be some, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with transfers um, and that, how that all breaks down. Because it's not like they're spaced out a year apart, two years apart, you know, down the line where you could see an end where this guy's going to be gone in, in a year or two. And then you're going to be starter for two years. They're all stacked on top of each other. Um, it'd be interesting to see whether Sam red shirts or if he's amused the guy, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's premature, but it'll definitely be something to watch. And it's obviously something people, especially on inside Carolina message boards are already talking about, already wondering about the good thing is, is you have a coach like Mac Brown, who is not his first time at, uh, sort of massaging players, egos and getting them to understand but it's a new day. You know, it's, it's different 2019, certainly than it was in 1988 
87 and, and in 2005 and all that for Mac. So it'll be sort of fun to watch how the staff handles it. Um, one thing I noticed at Keenan Stadium, and I'm going to throw you all a curveball because I'm going to talk about JohnnyTShirt.com. I noticed all the Carolina gear that whether the recruits had on, whether the players were wearing, whether the coaching staff, JohnnyTShirt.com is a place to get most, if not all, of that gear. Of course, Johnny T-Shirts, our podcast sponsor, they've been a great friend to Inside Carolina. They've been a great friend to Chapel Hill and to the Carolina fans. It's certainly on Franklin Street. It's JohnnyT-Shirt.com online. 10% off your order if you're that Inside Carolina premium subscriber. It's worth it if you spend a lot of money on Carolina gear. Inside Carolina subscribers, that 10% save you a ton of money. Visit them on Franklin Street. Visit them online. And thank them for being Inside Carolina podcast sponsors. Ross, I'm going to stick with you. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. And we sort of went there early in the show. Um, This is where Carolina has to be better. And like I mentioned, it's tough to talk about how they looked in the spring game with so many people out. My thought is this. I thought they looked decent in the spring game. I thought there were some issues there. But having that number of guys out, sort of gives more hope that, hey, maybe if these guys can be that good, then you add these four or five. Uh, but your thoughts on where the defense is maybe compared to your expectations two months ago? Yeah, and like you said, I mean, this this defense is without Jason Strobridge, Alan Cater, Tyrone Hopper, all those guys you would think would play significant amounts, uh, the first two more than, than Hopper, but still Hopper's an experienced guy. Um, they're without John Smith, who has been a starter at UNC. Um, maybe he's surpassed now by uh, Jeremiah Gimel or uh, Chaz Surratt. And they're without Miles Dorn, who's, I think, the most experienced player on defense, um, likely starting safety uh, for UNC. Um, so I think they're really thin, so it's hard to see what they're going to do. I think linebacker is going to be a, a, a early concern. I think they're going to need to establish – who is going – defensive backs are interesting because you lost K.J. Sales, you lost Corey Bell who moved to wide receiver, and they lost C.J. Cotman. Cotman might have been a starter this year. So Patrice Rene, I think, has established himself as a leader, not only a leader but the best cornerback, a big-body guy, which I think they will use a lot in blitz packages, and it can be a, a, a really trusted corner. So you got to find who the next guy is. Um, Storm Duck impressed. I think um, Trey Morrison is going to be a really good player for UNC. So you have some nice pieces, I guess, is my point. Um, Aaron Crawford looks to be healthy. Um, Tamon Fox is experienced. You, I think you have a lot of nice pieces. And figuring out where they play into this scheme um, is going to be, you know, and, and the lack of depth, that's going to be the main concern, I think. And figuring seeing how that works in Jay Bateman's defense. I think uh, I, I like Jay Bateman. I think he's proven to be a, a creative and effective Guy, I don't know if he has everything he needs in Chapel Hill right now to get things done, um, but the position changes and things like that. Um, it's just going to be really intriguing to, to, to watch and listen to. Um, one point is we're going to get the def- defensive assistants on Wednesday in Keyan Stadium. So we're interviewing all the defensive assistants. We'll talk to Jay Bateman. We're going to get all the offensive assistants as well. So we'll have a lot more content in St. Carolina with more detail on defense, on positions, on players, on standout guys. And that's been really intriguing to kind of pick the brain of Bateman and, and pick the brain of the different guys working with these players closely. Nice tease there. Certainly listen to our podcast, but then listen to what the coaches had to say because uh, they'll give you 
um, their take, and they're the ones that are going to decide who walks out on the field against South Carolina in, gosh, it's not that far away, in August or Labor Day weekend. So, John, let me ask you about the defense. You talked about the communication, and you mentioned uh, the communications on the back end there with Storm Duck and all that. Your take on seeing those guys up close and the interaction between their coaches and those players in, you know, it's live action. It's a scrimmage, but it's still live action for the first time, at least in public view. Yeah, I think that the first thing that sticks out to me on the defense side of the ball actually came in one of the practices that we got to watch uh, early on this spring. And there was a period with the new defensive line coach, uh, Coach Cross and Brant Lawless. Um, and Coach Cross was just sort of reminding, I don't know if that's the right word, but encouraging uh, Brant Lawless to sort of just get up field. And he was saying the first step with this new defense is just to attack in here. Sort of, he was sort of emphasizing to Brant that this new defense is all about defensive linemen getting upfield and sort of shooting gaps and creating havoc in the backfield. And I think for a defensive lineman, that's got to be very exciting because there's sort of the, the counter. The other way to go with that is you sort of hold your blocker up and you're playing two different gaps and you're sort of reacting to defense. But on this new defense, it feels like UNC is really going to be attacking with its defensive linemen. So I think that's something to watch out for going forward. Um, in the spring game itself, I was interesting to see sort of all the interactions with the coaches and the players on the field. It was pretty quiet in Keenan Stadium, um, so it was pretty easy to hear everything that was being said. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is, is that these coaches and these players have bonded very quickly. And I'd say, especially with Tim Cross, but especially with Dre Bly at the defensive back position, he really seems to have bonded with his players almost immediately. Um, he's a very young coach, so uh, he can kind of still uh, hang with the kids a little bit and maybe even show them up on the field after practice doing drills because he obviously was a very good player himself. So that would be the, the second point I emphasize, that these coaches have really bonded with their players and all of them can relate to their players, and I think that helps when you're coaching to be able to relate to your players on that level. All right, let's start winding this one down. Of course, it's the Inside Carolina podcast. I'll have another podcast recording on Wednesday night. So if you think we've missed something here, we'll talk about it on that one. And of course, like Ross said, there'll be a ton of content from all the assistant coaches coming from Carolina and coming from Inside Carolina. Ross, give me a player or two Saturday that surprised you. Surprise! Oh, okay. I made a point to to want to talk about this guy, and we haven't talked about him. So this is perfect question, Tommy. Um, Javante Williams, I think, is going to be an impact player for UNC for many years to come. I think he really impressed on Saturday. He was, a, he was the best offensive player on the field. Uh, six rushes for, what, 51 yards, one touchdown, 8.5 yards. His stats don't really matter much. Um, but he is big. He's strong. He's quick. He's smart. He can pick up blockers. Uh, he has a, a good work ethic, a good mentality, you know, underrated guy who has something to prove. Uh, I think he's going to be really special for UNC. Definitely one of the three running backs that we'll see. They're going to have a trio of guys. Don't think of this as um, Antonio Williams and Michael Carter as the one, two. And then Javante Williams is kind of the backup. I think it's going to be a three headed monster. Um, and just from talking with players and, uh, and Mac Brown and also just some sources, 
around the football program. Uh, they think this guy is special, has, has a, a really high ceiling for UNC. So he's a guy to watch. I think he was one of the more impressive guys from um, from Saturday. 220, what, you know, what, five? I don't know how tall he is, but he's 220 pounds, which is, which is really big for a running back of his stature. John, your take on the same question, uh, can't pick Javante, even though Ross, that's the guy I was thinking about um, when I was especially reading Greg Scoot and after leaving the ball game. But, John, your take on who maybe surprised you the most? Yeah, I think uh, this isn't maybe a surprise, but just more of a shout-out. I'd give a shout-out to Alex Nobles, number 98. I'm looking at the stats. He finished with four tackles. There's always someone in the spring game who sort of emerges with the extra playing time, obviously, and does well with it, so keep an eye out for Nobles. That was a good performance from him. But I'd say Corey Bell on the offensive side of the ball. He was someone who was a sort of surprising switch position position switch earlier this spring. And the players were all talking about, you know, he's really looking good. He can move. He's got good hands. And I was sort of um, skeptical of that uh, praise that the other players were giving him. But in the spring game, he really showed up. And um, I, I saw something on the boards this week that Corey Bell is UNC's best receiver. I wouldn't go that far at all. But it's interesting that he's uh, doing well at wide receiver and just imagine how much better he's going to get with the whole summer of working through position drills and uh, getting in the weight room a little bit more. So I'd say I was most surprised by Corey Bell. Yeah, I was too. I thought he looked really good as a receiver. Uh, I mean, and then Longo's – Longo's offense, there's going to be 10, 12 guys that get touches, and Bell certainly made his mark. Uh, Ross, I'll let you close it. Uh, it's not officially over um, since you guys have access on Wednesday, but it now the offseason starts officially and goes all the way through to, I guess, the next big thing besides tomorrow would be the Operation Football when all the coaches and a couple players get down to Charlotte. But, you know, What's what's from here for Ross Martin in covering Carolina football? Serious question because people wonder what we do in the yeah. off season. What Man, does Ross Martin do? It's really slowed down. I mean, we're looking forward to Wednesday's availability with all, I guess, nine assistants. Is that right? Is it nine assistants or ten assistants? Um, it, it depends on who you get, but it should be. Yeah, 10. We're, we're getting all of them. Um, so that will create a lot of content, and we're and you know we're looking forward to talking to Phil Longo and. Um, and Jay Bateman will do a little baseball. I know John will do probably do a little more than me and, and Gregory Hall and, and Greg get some baseball too. I don't do too much baseball. The draft, the draft's coming up uh, next weekend um, to preview that. You know, I did an article on Cole Holcomb this week. I think Cole Holcomb could sneak into one of the later rounds. William Sweet, Malik Carney, some other guys that could be drafted. So we'll look to that. Um, recruiting for basketball is uh, it's still kind of unsettled. Uh, if you've been on the message boards and re- reading Shirell stuff, uh, there's some players, grad transfers. So we're, anything viral and content-wise with that stuff that Shirell doesn't pick up, uh, I'll try to do. Um, and then spring camp or summer camps in June. I know Don does all those, but I assist him a little bit. I don't know if they'll do – I guess they won't do a freak show this year, but they'll do some sort of camps. Uh, and so that's – you get a lot of football commit to that time. Um, yeah. And then before you know it, it's operation football in July, but, um, there is really a drop off, uh, after basketball at basketball ends and spring football ends, there is definitely less things to cover in April and May and June 
and then in July, and then spring, and then fall camp starts August first, I think. Yep, not very far away, John. Uh, you get the last word. What's next for John <laughs> Bowman? And uh, he, you know, there are many uh, former IC interns that have big time jobs. What's next for you, my friend? Yeah, I know. I see like Tate Frazier now is like a celebrity. He's getting people are asking him for pictures and stuff. So that's a, that's a high, high bar to follow, but I'm going to be moving up to New York city on July 15th, but it'll be, I've grown up in Chapel Hill, born and raised here in Chapel Hill, stayed here for college, obviously. So it'll be a good opportunity to uh, get out and see a different part of the world. But, um, I just like to close by saying it was a you know great opportunity with Inside Carolina the last two years. I enjoyed all the time on the road with Ross and Greg, all the times I was on the podcast working with Don, all that stuff. It's been a, a real pleasure. John, will you ever cover? Uh, will you ever get back into journalism? You think any sort of sports media? I I think so. I'm uh, going to be up in New York. There's a lot of teams up there, so I could definitely see that. But uh, you know, the world of journalism is changing too. I think. <laughs> inside Carolina knows that and everything. So you never know what could be around the corner. We could all be doing VR, virtual reality, sports journalism in 10 years. You never know. Indeed. Good stuff. Good stuff, Ross. Uh, it's been a fun podcast. It, I'll be back with a couple more guests tomorrow evening, and then we'll certainly have some all-season podcasts covering recruiting, summer camps, any news that breaks, any of that kind of stuff. But Ross Martin and John Bowman, I appreciate you guys taking time to join me. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Inside Carolina subscribers, get that 10% off. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.